Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to this week's La Liga Lowdown Match Day Recap Podcast. This week we're discussing all the talking points from Match Day 21 of the La Liga season. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we've got some great guests coming up and some fascinating stories to sink our teeth into. And, as always, we're rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 and we're proud for that to be the case. We're going to start off this episode by discussing the league leaders Atletico Madrid who now have a 10-point lead at the top of the table. That's because Real Madrid lost and, I mean, we'll get to that later, but it's also because they defeated Cadiz 4-2 in their visit to the south of Spain. It was a lot of fun this game, really back and forth. Luis Suarez scored a couple, Alvaro Negredo did so too, but Atleti also had Saul and Koki chipping in with goals to make this their 8th league win in a row. To discuss it, we're going to bring in Jeremy Barron now. Jeremy's the man behind the into the Calder on site on SB Nation, a page packed full of athletic content. And Jeremy, I want to start off by just just generally asking what you made of this hard-fought win. It's the latest of several, you know, grind-it-out away wins that Atleti have had. What is it about this year's team and their resilience, especially on the road? Ewan Simeone's worked his man-management magic again. Looking back, almost exactly a year ago, in fact, I had my doubts that Cholo would be able to see this transition through, would be able to see it bear fruit. The team was banged up, playing badly, persisting with an ill-fitting 4-4-2, but so much can change in a year. Now there's a legitimate world-class match winner banging in goals in Luis Suarez. Increased internal competition has made weekly training a war for playing time in midfield, and it's really gotten the best out of everyone. The elevation in the team's mood and in the team's confidence are evident in these comeback wins and the tough-as-nails displays away from home that were absent in previous years. This was absolutely a banana-peel type of game for Atletico at Cadiz, but they kept attacking and created the chances necessary to win. Yeah, they kept attacking and they scored four times, but they're also conceding some goals. Does this 4-2 scoreline sort of exemplify the change in style for this season? From an attacking standpoint, this definitely exemplifies the stylistic, tactical, uh, even strategic change that Simeone has instituted this season. Atletico have won 15 of the past 16 in La Liga and have been shut out just once. 
in that time frame in the derby against Real Madrid. Simeone has persisted, insisted with the, I've taken to calling it, uh, the modified 3-5-2, which was a real gutsy move in this game, given Carrasco, Hermoso, and Trippier's absences. So it's not only a change in style, it's an adaptation to Cholo's philosophy that this is now the best way for this team, for this group to win, to play multiple players closer to goal and make better use of the technical talent on hand. João Felix, Marco Chirente, Tomo Lima, all in the starting 11. Llorente, who was all action for 90 minutes, starting as the right wing back. Lema laying on his second assist in as many games. And off the bench, you have Angel Correa coming on. And Correa made a, a huge assist for Koke in the 88th minute to seal all three points after things got awfully nervy. Yeah, things got nervy at one point, but Atletico still have Yano Black. Can you put into words just how special his save was against even Saponjic, who was his teammate until just a few days ago before going out and won. Yeah, that save was magnificent. And Oblak showed his elite reflexes and athleticism to react and keep the score at 3-2. Could you imagine the headlines if Ivan Sapanjic had buried that header? There's a narrative I'm glad I don't have to deal with. No, but Oblak and this shorthanded defense had a rough game. Yet he managed to come up big when it was really, really needed. That's what the best ones do. They shrug it off. Another big storyline from this game is that Luis Suarez, well, he scores three kicks now. He can do everything. He's just incredible, isn't he? Suarez has pretty much exceeded all expectations slash the anticipation I had for him. Somehow. And it's not just through his own exploits. At 34 years old, he's leading the dang league in goals. But it's how he's managed to raise everyone's level and integrate himself so well into this group. You know, taking free kicks with Lema and João Felix at training earlier this week. This goal was a vintage Liverpool-era set-piece golazo from Suarez. It could prove to be an iconic moment in the club's history, frankly, if this team, dare I say it, goes on to win the title in May. Well, should we dare to say it? I mean, with a 10-point advantage now and the game in hand, is it already over? Well, I think we have to admit it looks very good right now. The, the favorites talk is awfully loud now, right? And why shouldn't it be? 50 points out of 57 possible. It's tied for the best start in Atletico's history. The best return from a first half of a season. 10-point advantages. 10 over Barcelona and Real Madrid more than halfway through the year. That's sizable. Now, Barca are unbeaten in 10 in La Liga and still have Lionel Messi on books. While Madrid, for their problems under Zidane slash Batoni right now, still have that aura. They still have those veterans with loaded trophy cabinets. They get healthy soon. They can go on a run. COVID or injuries can wreck anybody this season. You know, we go partido a partido, like Simeone says so often. But there's no doubt, no doubt about it, that the situation is rosier for Los Colchoneros now than it has been in La Liga at any point since 2014. My last question for you, Jeremy, then I need to ask, you know, the important issue. What was going on in this game with that poor pigeon in the penalty area? That pigeon just wanted a, uh, a bird's eye view of Koke's goal, as it were, Ewan. It actually, it, it took me a replay or two to figure out what the hell that was and the guy's goal behind Ledesma. I had no idea. 
Um, maybe he was the guardian angel ensuring that that shot wouldn't be saved and that all three points would indeed be coming back with Los Blancos to Madrid. Bird's eye view, I love it. Well, thanks Jeremy, and let's pray for that pigeon that got caught up in the Cadiz penalty area. I think it got stood on by Felipe as well at one point, so an eventful day for that pigeon, and of course, for Atletico Madrid. For Diego Simeone, it was his 214th win in La Liga as a coach, which might not sound like much of a milestone, but that moves him ahead of Ernesto Valverde in the all-time standings, and it means he's now fifth in that ranking. The ranking he cares about, though, is the 2020-2021 La Liga table. And even then, Simeone always gives the impression that he really looks at the live standings. But if he were to do so, he'd see that his side are 10 points ahead of Barcelona and Real Madrid. And they have a game in hand compared to both of them. Real Madrid lost this weekend 2-1 at home to Levante. And that's why they've conceded further ground. With an early red card for Edo Militao and... With some great goals along the way, this was a good game and we've picked it to be this week's sore throat game of the week. So here's Matt Clark to talk us through this Levante win at Valdebebas and through some of the best commentary clips that we got along the way. Real Madrid came into this game with some significant absentees, most notably in defence, with Sergio Ramos, Nacho, Dani Carvajal and Lucas Vazquez all unavailable. Fede Valverde also missed out while coach Zinedine Zidane was still isolating at home following his positive Covid test. Despite that, they arrived on the back of a big win at Alaves and some confidence restored. Unfortunately for them, the time was set early when Ede Militao was given his marching orders for a last man foul on Sergio Leon, who was bearing down on goal. With just 8 minutes on the clock, they were down to 10 men. There was some debate about whether Rafa Varane could have recovered ground in time, but the VAR was clear that Militao had denied a clear goal scoring opportunity. Despite this setback, the defending champions opened the scoring through Marco Asensio after a rapid counter-attack and fabulous assist by Toni Kroos. With the outside of his right boot, he peered through the Levante lines to feed Asensio, who showed great composure to score. It was narrated by the Coppe commentators. Here is the clip. Levante weren't too affected by the setback and pushed forward, with Roger forcing a sensational double save from Thibaut Courtois. But the Belgian couldn't keep out a stunning half-volley from El Comandante after the half-hour mark. Alvaro Odriozola appeared all at sea and completely lost the flight of the ball and the position of José Luis Morales. But take nothing away from the finish, absolutely exquisite. As the carousel commentators exclaimed here, Levante play with 11, but they have one more with Morales. Marco el Levante, anotó Morales en el 32, camino del 33 de la primera parte, Real Madrid 1, Levante 1, juega con 11 y además tiene a Morales. Fran Martínez, a statistician on Twitter, pointed out that whenever Morales has scored against Real Madrid, Levante have won, and whenever he's failed to score, they failed to win. So the omens were good for the Granotas heading into the break. Vinicius was brought on to inject some energy into the performance, but all he could do was commit a foul right on the edge of his own box. Another tight one, VAR deemed that it was on the line and therefore a penalty. Roger stepped up and Courtois made a solid stop, the first penalty he has saved this season. At this point it seemed as if Levante's hopes would fade. But Paco Lopez's side kept asking questions and they were eventually rewarded. 
Roger's redemption was complete when he swivelled and struck beyond Courtois 12 minutes from time. Remarkably, as pointed out on La Liga TV, this wasn't the first time Roger had missed from the spot but managed to score the decisive goal. Against Osasuna in September, exactly the same thing happened. Here's how it sounded on La Liga TV. Rochina, that's a good little ball. It comes to Roger Marti. He's done it again. Exactly as against Osasuna. He bounces back from missing a penalty. And that is absolutely brilliant from Roger Marti. As Levante take the lead just when we were saying that we needed to see them move up another gear. It comes from a corner and it's Roger Marti's ninth, I believe, goal of the season. Levante closed out the game without many scares to record another impressive win. Paco Lopez is one of only three coaches to beat Zidane's Real Madrid side on multiple occasions. As for the Madridistas, they suffered their third home defeat in nine La Liga matches, definitely cause for concern. They've had a bad start to 2021, with just two wins in seven since Christmas, as well as defeat in the Supercopa semis and the Alcoyanazo in the Copa. This defeat was their eighth loss across all competitions, already surpassing last season's total. They end the weekend in third, leapfrogged by Barcelona and 10 points adrift of leaders Atleti. Thanks, Matt. That's right, 10 points behind and it's really starting to look like it's Atletico Madrid's year. And remember, it's not only because Barcelona and Real Madrid are so far behind. Atleti have been phenomenal. They've got 50 points from their first 19 games, so they'd be on course for a 100-point season if they keep this up. And that's the record. So, yeah, Barca and Real Madrid have been poor, but Atleti would still be top even in most normal seasons. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we're going to talk some Barcelona. They're probably too far behind in the title race, but they have at least improved in La Liga in recent weeks. So that's coming up after this short pause. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We've heard all about Atletico and Real Madrid results. Now let's hear about Barcelona too. On Sunday night we had the third edition of Barcelona and Athletic Club's January triple header. They played in the league on January 6th and Barca won 3-2 at San Mames. Then they played in the Super Cup final of course on January 17th. Athletic won 3-2 in extra time that time. And then they met at the Camp Nou again on Sunday night. And again it was tight. Again it was close. This time, Barcelona won 2-1. Messi opened the scoring with a free kick and then Griezmann netted the winner after Jordi Alba own goal. We've got Roman de Arquer here now to talk about the game, but before we get into that, Roman, let's discuss the Messi contract revelations. It was revealed by El Mundo over the weekend that his current contract is worth 555 million euros over four years. What were your thoughts when you read that and what has the reaction been in Catalonia? I mean, the figure speaks for itself. Uh, when you read it on paper, it's definitely something else. It's just a big, big sum of money. But my feeling and what I've perceived from Barcelona and Catalonia is that Leo Messi is just priceless. I mean, he's above any figure for us. He's been so important uh, in our history, in our club. All those amazing moments we hadn't experienced before. Uh, the titles, the goals, the assists, and the long etc of things we could point out from Leo Messi. And also, furthermore, a lot of journalists, a lot of people related to the club, uh, even uh, Jordi Mestre, who was Barca's ex-vice president with Bartomeu, he said that Messi generates more than he earns. So, I mean, in that sense, uh, he's worth every single penny uh, Barcelona are paying him. Then, in the match, Messi went and scored that brilliant free kick. Do you think he had an extra point to prove? Definitely. I mean, Messi is always aware of what's going on uh, in in the press, in, in the world of football, you know, and, and he's definitely heard of this situation. As a matter of fact, they're saying that uh, Messi might actually take legal action against uh, El Mundo, which was the newspaper that um, shared this information. And of course, on the field, you know, he wanted to, to prove that he's worth that money, as I said before, and that's why he came out. You could tell he was extra motivated I'd even say he was pressing really high quite intensely more than usual and he was definitely looking for that goal and that free kick was was a great way you know to say like hey I'm doing my best in every single match I'm I'm a really important player for you guys and you need me so this is why you're paying me so much money yeah it looked like he enjoyed that one but as Barcelona know from the other games against Marcelino's Athletic this team from Bilbao just don't give up how impressive was their response? You can tell that Marcelino has made the team click. It's completely different to the one uh, we were seeing with Garitano, where they were just not generating barely any uh, good football in attack, and overall their football was quite dull and boring. Whereas immediately, since the first game Marcelino's been on, uh, the intensity is, is different, the, the, the belief is different, and they really, really... Um, deserved, you know, that Super Cup they won. And in this game, once again, they proved that they're in the same level. Uh, they put Barcelona under a lot of trouble, especially in that second half. They came out really strong and they had their opportunities. They could have gone and gotten at least a point because, I mean, chances were there for Athletic and they just look so good at the moment. For the winner, it was Oscar Mingueza who set up Griezmann. What did you think of his performance where he played at right back? 
I think Minguez has become a very useful player for uh, Kuman for Barcelona, and I, I like his performance overall. Of course, he did have some mistakes. He he sometimes uh, tends to lose the ball in dangerous positions, not very often, but it does happen sometimes. And he's not maybe the guy with more uh, criteria when when the ball's at his feet. But overall, he's a hard worker. And he's not playing in his usual position, which is centre-back. He's playing on that right-back position, as you mentioned. And of course, there he doesn't have to just focus on defending. He has to focus on attacking on those uh, one versus one uh, going forward. And I mean, he doesn't have that much of an offensive ability. But uh, he was there when we needed him. He made that amazing run, had a great assist for uh, Griezmann. And I think he's proving that he can become an important player or at least a very uh, useful player for the upcoming uh, seasons if he can just, you know, fix a few aspects of his game, improve in, in certain things, and then I think Mingueza could find his spot in uh, Barcelona's first team. One other specific player I want to ask about is Samuel Mtiti. I thought he came in and did very well, but what did you think? Surprisingly, he had a very good game, and I've been... Uh, very critical of Umtiti since his injury because he hasn't been the same really. He's he's underperformed, but this definitely was his best uh, match of the campaign so far. And he has lot a lot of pace. You can tell he's not as quick and as agile as he was before, but he was very intelligent in this game, so he kind of uh, compensated his deficiencies, you know, using his intelligence in that sense. So he was always really well positioned. And he had a guy in front like uh, Inyaki Williams who's really quick, really tough to defend but he was managed to get in front of him or, or find a way to not have to run for the ball with him because he would definitely lose that uh, matchup but overall that and also mentioning his passing was good you know he was finding those through balls in, towards the midfield allowing Barca to move forward so uh, credit to Umtiti and hopefully he can keep up this level even if it's to sell him at a good price uh, sooner rather than later. Lastly, after playing them three times in a month, are you looking forward to not having to see Athletic Club again for a while? Absolutely. I just feel like we play them so often. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 2016, we played three games against Athletic Club in a period of 10 days. And then in 2017, we played them in uh, three games in a period of one month. So, I mean, it's, it's a team we often meet in the Copa del Rey, we see in La Liga, etc. So... Uh, having a break of Athletic Club is definitely going to be nice. Yeah, a bit of a change will be nice for everyone, unless they end up meeting over two legs in the Copa del Rey semi-finals in a few weeks, which could actually happen. But anyway, thanks Roman for bringing us the lowdown there. We're going to move on now and discuss some of the other results of the weekend. The very first match of the round was on Friday night and Wesker went away on 1-3-1 at Real Valladolid. Rafa Mir was the man who scored all three of Huesca's goals. He joins Carlos Soler and Yusuf Enesiri as the only players to have scored a hat-trick this season. It's a good win for them in Pacheta's third game in charge, and they really do look a lot better with the new 3-5-2 system that he's installed. Pablo Maffeo looks comfortable in it too, I guess, because it's similar to the Girona scheme he used to thrive in. And he got a couple of assists, but it's Mir who gets the headlines and the puns. As Mark Goodman put it on Twitter... It'll be a miracle if Wesco now stay up this season. And it might take a minor miracle for Alaves to stay up as well. They've not really looked so good since Abelardo returned as coach, but they did get their first point since his return when they drew 0-0 with Itafi over the weekend. 
This game was not a classic. One shot and target for each team in the whole game and yeah, it was a pretty drab affair as we kind of feared it might be to be honest. There was also a goalless draw between Granada and Celta Vigo, although this one was more entertaining. Celta Vigo had the ball, Granada had the chances, but they couldn't take any and the spoils were shared. The award though for the most entertaining draw of the weekend definitely goes to Villarreal versus Real Sociedad. This was the Saturday night game and it was 1-1 with literally 90 minutes between the goals. After Dani Parejo scored an absolute screamer in the third minute, Real Sociedad attacked and attacked and attacked without much luck. But eventually in the third minute of stoppage time, at the end of the game, Alexander Isak appeared to fire in an equaliser. That meant both sides took a point and it's a point that doesn't really suit either side in the race for Champions League football. That's because Sevilla remain on fire. They're just so good, so solid. Although they had a tricky trip away to Ibar this weekend, Julian Lopetegui's side produced the goods once again and earned a 2-0 win thanks to a Lucas Ocampos penalty and then a goal from former Ibar man Joan Jordan in the second half. After Jordan scored actually, Ibar accidentally played the siren that they sound whenever they score a goal and they apologised afterwards to their fans for the error. I guess whoever was controlling the siren forgot that Jordan had switched teams, well, two summers ago. But anyway, here's how that sounded. It was a little strange. And he's finished with the cross and the touch oh, into the back of the net. And Sevilla have doubled their lead. There's no celebration because it's uh, Joan Jordan, the former Abar player. But uh, so disappointing for Abar. Started the second half brightly as they started the first half brightly, but they find themselves 2 0 down. I guess some of the neighbours by the stadium in Abar were a little confused, but their team didn't get any goals. Just another spirited performance without any points to show for it. The good news for Abar, though, is that. There could be three teams worse than them, and one of them could be Elche. They've now gone 14 La Liga games without a win, and the last one was a 1-0 loss to Valencia over the weekend. Daniel Vass getting the only goal of that game. So we're going to finish this week's episode by discussing this regional derby match now. Let's bring in Paco Pola, and Paco, it was Vass who scored the goal, but it was Gonzalo Guedes who set it up, and I thought he played quite well. He was playing on the left wing rather than just behind the striker. Is that his ideal position? I really think Guedes can be much more effective when playing as a second striker just behind the number 9 position, but, you know, issues with his performance do not lie with his place on the pitch, but instead with how motivated or eager he is to just keep trying. And even though his game wasn't the best I've seen, he performed decently enough against Elche because he never stopped trying. His playing the wing and cross straight to Daniel Bass's header was absolute quality, possibly the only real outburst in his 87 minutes in action. Again, it's not a matter of where he is, but how he tackles every play and his mentality through the game. Hugo Guillamon was able to play in this game and help Valencia keep a clean sheet, but he almost wasn't allowed to. Can you talk us through the midweek drama with this possible suspension? You might remember that in the first showdown between Valencia and Atletico in Mestalla back in November, Hugo Guillamón got injured and had to leave the pitch, but that he tried re-entering without being allowed by the ref, and the ref consequently booked him. Okay, the TV cameras caught both Javi Gracia and many other members of the staff pressing on Guillamón to get booked, 
so that he would get his fifth yellow and miss the following game, which he was already going to miss because of his injury. Such behavior was studied by football authorities and they decided last week to increase the punishment to one more game ban for Guillamon and two additional games for Javi Gracia. So both of them were about to be absent against Elche, but Valencia, the club, appealed the decision, so they were allowed to be both on the pitch and in the sidelines last weekend. Valencia, by the way, expect the punishment to be less severe and their legal area are working on it. Overall, Elche competed well in this one. They fought all the way into the end, but it's now 14 matches without a win in La Liga. What's going wrong for them? I'd say I've seen around half of Elche's games this season and the feeling has always been the same. They lack one or two reliable strikers. Argentinian Lucas Boyet just doesn't cut it. Against Valencia he clashed again and again with their defense and never really had the chance to score. As long as Elche don't increase their scoring output, remaining in La Liga is going to be nigh impossible for them. Actually, most sides fighting for survival, I'm thinking about Osasuna, uh, Valladolid, Huesca, Alaves, all of them have tried to enhance their attack because defending is something almost all of them manage to do quite well, but racking up the goals is a whole different level. In my view, quality in front really makes the difference. LG certainly have quality in goals though with Edgar Badia. He's proved to be a really impressive goalkeeper and he saved a penalty from Carlos Soler in this one. What has the reaction been in the local media to Badia's impressive season? Well, hands down, Edgar Badia has been a consistent highlight of Elche so far this season. His good performances might be not godlike, like the ones he had last year under Pacheta, as he was absolutely crucial for Elche's promotion to La Liga, but his redemption arc has been fully completed in Primera. Remember, Back in the day, a few big sides like Barca or Espanyol rejected him because he was literally too short for them. He found his footing in Reus, signed for Elche in 2019 and has been huge since for his club. Stopping Soler's penalty was just another example of an impressive season and both local media and Elche's fan base considered him one of the two or three most important members of the squad. Okay, thank you Paco for that. That brings us to the end of our Matchday 21 recap. There's still the Monday night game to come, which is between Real Betis and Osasuna this week. If you want to get in the mood for that one, you can check out our podcast telling the whole story of Osasuna's history. It's the fourth in a new podcast series we're running on La Liga Lowdown, where we tell the story of each La Liga club over 20 or so minutes. We've already done Athletic Club, Celta Vigo, Granada and now Osasuna. You can find that on LaLigaLowdown.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For now, I want to thank the contributors to this episode. That's Jeremy Barron, Matt Clark, Roman de Arcaire, and Paco Pollitt. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and thanks a lot for joining us and listening. Until next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.